I want to take a moment to share with you my brand new eyewear company called Gilded by Luke Story. My goal with creating this brand was to tackle the problem of blue light and bad fashion design with one simple solution. Blue light is a color of light needed during the day, especially at sunrise from its natural source, the sun, to release cortisol, promote alertness and focus, and to set our body's natural circadian rhythm. Artificial blue light from sources such as device screens, TVs, street lamps, city lights, and car lights is a distorted color of light with detrimental effects on our health. So taking in artificial blue light after dark tricks our bodies into thinking it's still daylight, which disrupts our circadian rhythm and prevents restorative sleep. Taking in artificial blue light during the day is disruptive to our health because it lacks the healing red and infrared light with which blue light is balanced in sunlight. And a disrupted circadian rhythm and lack of great sleep leads to a decrease in vitality and to long-term chronic health issues such as obesity, anxiety, depression, diabetes, cancer, neurodegenerative diseases, heart disease, and autoimmune diseases. Exposure to artificial blue light during the day also leads to the above effects as well as to eye strain and a decrease in energy and brain function. So by wearing gilded blue light blocking day lenses, you will block 100% of the damaging artificial blue light at 455 nanometers as measured across the light spectrum. And by wearing the gilded blue light blocking night lenses, you expand that blue light blocking coverage even further to 550 nanometers into the range of disruptive green light. What's also really cool is that gilded glasses are made by using a proprietary blend of pigments, including melanin, which is infused directly into the lenses to fully block harmful blue light. So by using the gilded glasses to block the harmful blue light during the day and night, you're going to set your body's natural circadian rhythm, which will give you the good sleep you need to wake up healthy, healed, and energized, and will also set your circadian rhythm for the next night of healthy sleep. To check out my new line of men and women's eyewear, go to GildedByLukeStory.com. That's G-I-L-D-E-D, GildedByLukeStory.com. I think there's a lot of value here. When I say value, not so much for me. I mean, I've gotten my personal value out of it, but I think there's value in helping people with a lot of different things that they're dealing with. Uh, whether that being, you know, trying not to use synthetic opioids or depression or anxiety or, you know, performance, athletic performance, whatever. It's, you know, if consumed, you know, in moderation, and uh, it's a, you know, it's a wonderful plant medicine. Oh yeah, folks, this episode is a burner. It's called Feeling Free, Legal Plant Medicines for the Journey of Life with Jerry Ross. And before we get started, I'd like to let you know that you can find the show notes and links for this episode at lukestory.com slash feelfree. That's lukestory.com slash feelfree. Okay, this conversation is one of my all-time favorites. Our guest is my friend Jerry Ross, otherwise known as JW. He and I met a few months back after our mutual friend Josh Trent from the Wellness Force podcast turned me on to this plant medicine drink called Feel Free. And I got to say, me, JW, and especially Feel Free hit it off immediately. And it's rare that I discover an herbal product that really gets my attention. And this one certainly did. But it wasn't just the drink that got my attention. It was Jerry and his incredible story and journey. Jerry's a fascinating guy, and although he's a couple years older than I, we have so much in common, including, and not limited to, our past history with alcohol abuse and how we both 
overcame that treacherous life of drinking way too much. So this conversation is one that's close to my heart, and it was equally as inspiring as it was educational. I was super into his journey, his mission, his pain-to-purpose story, but I also learned a ton about these incredible plant medicines. Here's just a taste of what we cover in this conversation. First, we cover the interconnected web of how we met through Josh Trent and our friend Cal Callahan and Paul Check and how that all came together. Jerry's incredible story of turning suffering into success, his experience achieving success early in life, and how money can sometimes create more problems than joy, using alcohol as a means to escape, and the step he took that finally allowed him to stop relying upon it, discovering the deeper and underlying issues once he sobered up. Then Jerry shares his story of traveling to Asia and the South Pacific and the turning point for him once he found Kratom and Kava, the history of their use and how they actually work to ease stress and anxiety. Then we cover the inception of the feel-free drink and the extensive research that went into creating it, the many impactful benefits people are reporting after using feel-free, the real deal about Kratom's potentially addictive properties and how to use it safely, how feel-free compares to other plant medicines, We also get Jerry's take on the use of other plant medicines, including cannabis. And finally, how Feel Free has given Jerry a new sense of purpose. So this conversation is one that is sure to educate and inspire. And I'm guessing that by the end of this conversation, there's going to be a few of you that want to try Feel Free. So Jerry was kind enough to offer an incredible listener discount of 40% off. To get on board with that, just click on the link in your show notes or visit botanictonics.com and use the code LUKE40 to save a massive 40% off for a limited time only. That's botanictonics.com. And with that, my fellow earth travelers, let's go ahead and jump into this conversation with Mr. Jerry Ross. JW, good to see you, man. Thanks for having me. Every time I every time I start these recordings, we have a really fun little chat before, and then I have this awkward start where I'm like, "Now we're starting." <laughs> so I listen to some podcasts, and they just the person walks in, and that's the beginning of the show. They right. just start kind of chatting, but I always feel like I need to have an official start. So here we are, folks. Uh, welcome back to Texas. It's good to be here. Are you originally from here? Originally from Dallas. Yeah. Oh, you are okay. Yeah. Yeah. I've been out in California now for about 15 years. So you did the opposite. We're all fleeing California. Yeah, exactly. You flee Texas. <laughs> I'm actually thinking about coming back, though. Are you? Yeah. What's the impetus of that uh, um, pondering? There's several things, but um, you know, we're looking at uh, you know specific to feel free. We're looking at you know where it makes more sense to put the next production plan in. So it may be here in Austin. I hope it is. Yeah. Because I want to come down to the plant and see how it all works. I have this fascination with how things are made and how yeah. things, anything I look at, I mean, I look at this velvet couch, I'm like, all right, so, you know, did they put the velvet on first and then put it in? Like how things are made yeah, is really interesting to s- me. Same with me. Really? Yeah. 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 There's that show. I don't know if they still have it. It's like how it's made. And they, right. they just like yeah. take some random product, you know, a tire and show how it goes into the mold. And I, I'm like such a geek with that stuff. <laughs> uh, so, you know, we're going to be talking about your journey and I always like to get people's origin story, but there yeah. are also times where I kind of just want to jump in to the meat of it. And you've created something really unique uh, in this thing, which those watching on the camera will see this drink called Feel Free. I had half one on the way over here, and that was really how I got introduced to you. So I want to just 
shake it up a little bit and ignore my notes and, okay. and have you start out, what is feel free? Feel free is uh, plant medicine. That's a tonic, uh, all natural. As you said, it's a combination of uh, kava and kratom. It's uh, five parts kava to one part kratom. Um, and it's um, it does a lot of different things. It's an adaptogen. Um, but it's also, um, it provides energy, but it's a kind of a chilled energy. Um, different people are using it for different things. Uh, it's used for anxiety. It's used for depression. It's used... Uh, uh, for focus and, and uh, productivity enhancement. Um, a lot of that's dependent on the dosage. Um, in general, a half a shot is what most people are using to get the productivity enhancement focus. And a full shot is more the euphoric alcohol replacement, which is what I originally made it for. I think that's why I relate to you. It's been 25 years. I've been finding replacements that are safe and yeah. non-addictive that give you a little social lubricant and chill you out. So I met you, I think through Josh, yeah. Josh Trent. Yeah. And he said, man, you got to meet this guy. He's got an incredible story, entrepreneur, older guy, he's been through a lot, tons of business experience. And he kind of gave it all up and just put all his eggs in this basket. And it's this feel-free drink. And, um, and he said that he had found it from Paul Check, Right. Which I thought was interesting because Paul's a discerning guy. He's been around the block and knows his stuff, especially in the realms of plant medicines and things like that. Uh, how did you meet Paul and how did he get excited about this thing? So I met Paul through Danny Way, the pro skater. Oh, okay. And, um, you know, Danny is a real proponent of these types of plant medicines, uh, you know, having had, you know, 50 surgeries or whatever it is, um, and having, uh, experienced, you know, the rabbit hole of synthetic opioids, you know, his thing was, he said, you know, I've got to figure out another way. Cause I've got, I'm going to have these surgeries the rest of my life because of how broken up I am. And if I don't find something that I can use and replace with the synthetic opioids, I'm going to kill myself. And so I was introduced to him through a mutual friend. And, um, you know, once he tried it, he's like, oh my gosh, because he'd never tried it mixed together. Um, and uh, he said, you need to come down and, and meet uh, Paul. And I'd never, I'd never heard of Paul before, but uh, I went down and uh, he tried it. And, um, I'll never forget his, you know, when I asked him, I said, well, what do you think? And he goes, well, it's a heart opener. And my first response to that was, well, that's kind of a hippy dippy <laughs> term. You know, what, 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 what in the hell does that mean? That you know? it is, yeah. But what I've discovered uh, since then is he was dead on. He probably has one of the better descriptions of anybody that I've talked to. And that's cemented by the fact that, you know, I'm getting all this feedback from different people across the country that, you know, reporting, you know, what it's doing for them. Um, incredible stories about, you know, reconnecting family and just, you know, um, and it truly is. I think it's, um, to me, it's, it's about turning off some of the noise in your head, me, you know, all these thoughts and quieting that down. <laughs> Channel self. <laughs> and that allows you then to open your heart and 
look around you and engage with people and truly say, you know, what's going on with you? You know, what's, it, it's just, um, which for me was extremely valuable because of, you know, my past and the way that, you know, I had been the total 180 of that for most of my life. Yeah. I can't, I can't wait to get into that. Uh, I want to share anecdotal. And I don't know if I've shared this with you in our prior dinners and stuff like that. Um, but when Josh gave me a couple bottles of this, <laughs> feel free. I mean, I've, as we'll talk about, I've done a lot of mind altering substances, um, both from the plant world and synthetic in my time. And um, so I'm pretty mindful about the stuff I take. I, you know, I don't use alcohol, Coke, crystal meth. Right. There's a, there's a huge off limits, even cannabis. There's a huge off limits list for me. And I've found ways to be comfortable in my skin and, and quiet my mind, meditation and all kinds of things I've been doing. Um, but I'm, you know, pretty cautious about things I take, especially if they have the uh, um, capacity to get you fucked up, you know? Mm -hmm. And I had been using uh, Kratom safely and effectively for uh, probably four years or something prior to that. Mm -hmm. So I didn't really think anything of it. I was like, oh, Kratom, Kava, I already used those. So <laughs> we were going for a hike, me and uh, Allison, and um, I just, you know, went in the trunk. I was like, oh yeah, there's that drink. And I just pounded the whole thing. And it was, it was probably a four mile hike, which is longer than I normally hike. Yeah. I kind of just, you know, get out of the car, go in a swimming hole down the road, you know, there's a long hike and halfway through, I started noticing that I was not like I have inhibitions around her anyway. I mean, she knows me better than anyone in the world. And if there's anyone I can truly be myself around, it would be her, right? Mm -hmm. We have the most intimacy I have in any relationship, obviously. But halfway through the hike, I just, I started saying really funny kind of stupid shit, you know? Exactly. Yeah. I just started kind of running my mouth and then I'd say something and be like, what are you saying? You know, it was just, it wasn't like I was drunk, but it was similar to what, what you see happen, that state change that happens when somebody has two or three glasses of wine. Social lubrication. Yeah. And I, and I felt great. But what was really interesting versus other times where I've taken um, a threshold dose of Kratom to where I've kind of feel like, oh, wow, I'm kind of feeling a little bit of this. In those cases, I would be really kind of tired and lethargic and kind of just want to lay around. Like I've never taken Kratom felt it and then went, yeah, I want to charge through a hike. Right. It's definitely not that kind of medicine for me. So that was, um, that was a whole bottle and that was really interesting. And I, I felt great, but I had tons of energy. Uh, I was happy and there was that sense of euphoria and that social lubricant thing. And I thought, hmm, this is something totally different, yeah. you know? And then yeah, I learned- Neither one of the ingredients by themselves will give you the same feeling. They don't. Yeah. That's what's interesting. Cause I love kava too, but kava yeah. is even more subtle, you know? So anyway, that was- that got my attention. And then, uh, you know, I got a couple cases of it and it's interesting because I think I have the potential to become addicted to just about anything that feels good based on my past. I, mean, I think a lot of people do. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the human condition, but I actually find myself forgetting about feel free and I'll kind of go, Oh yeah, I'm going to like today, going to do an interview. And I had some in the car, I have a yeah. case. I just keep in the car to turn people onto it and stuff. But it's interesting that something can like make you feel that good, but I don't feel ever like dependent on it or a craving or like if I run out, I'm getting right. freaked out about <clears throat> it or something like that. So it's, it's pretty wild. So I'm glad we're getting to sit down, but uh, I want to go back in time a little bit and I'd like to learn about when and why you first started traveling to the South Pacific and, and Asia and how did you first come across these things in the beginning anyway? So my first experience with uh, Cabo was probably 35 years ago. 
and it was just on a you know trip with a bunch of guys to Vanuatu, Pacific Islands, and um, we went to a fairly remote area and <clears throat> was introduced to the village chief and a bunch of guys got together, locals got in a hut and sit there all night, you know, drinking kava, howling at the sun when the sun come up. And, you know, it was a interesting experience, but I wouldn't say that, you know, it was life changing. Um, of course, I had my drug of choice, which was alcohol. And I immediately, you know, went back to alcohol and I kind of forgot about it. Uh, then when I was in Southeast Asia, uh, for a couple of years is when I came across Kratom. Um, and I had, um, you know, since I had stopped drinking, um, I had always been looking for something that would give me the feeling that, you know, alcohol did, but not all the downside and, um, anything that I could get my hands on the market, you know, that came out that was a euphoric, I would try it and, Pretty much anything that illegal I could find too, I would try it. And one of two things happened. It either didn't do anything or it did too much. And really what I was looking for was something that was not limiting, something that was enhancing, but still would make me feel comfortable in my own skin. And um, it just dawned on me, you know, one day, you know, why hasn't somebody tried mixing these together. I, th- I find that crazy that nobody did think of that. <laughs> you yeah, know what I mean? Just, you know, and what, you know, I'd, I do a lot of research. Yeah. And it was fascinating to me that, you know, you had these two different plants in different parts of the world that were used, sim- you know, in similar function that, you know, um, thousands of years ago, you know, started being used. Yet, you know, there really was no cross pollination. That's it, that's really odd. And it's beyond that. I mean, you have Kana in South Africa, you have coca in Central and South America. So you have these substances that you know that were siloed that uh, you know native populations used, and um, you know, the outliers alcohol, which was in Europe and China, and um, which is the only one that's highly processed in native use. Whole, whole other story, but uh, I just found that fascinating, and I, I said, you know, why not try mixing them together? And that started a whole uh, interesting uh, period in my life. Of I set up a lab in my house, and my wife thought I'd lost my mind, <laughs> just trying different combinations, different percentages, different strains, and until I found you know the two that worked together. Because most of it, when you mix them together, you don't get the desired results. How many strains do you think there are of each? I mean, to, to your knowledge. That's a really good question because, um, you know, it's to in my mind, it's not so much about strains as it is about, you know, just different areas where it's grown. Um, I mean, there's different, uh, there are different strains, but some of that's BS. <laughs> yeah. In the, in the Kratom market, I mean, it's highly saturated, as I'm sure you're aware. 
but there's a lot of emphasis on the different strains, the red vein, white vein, you know, all this kind of stuff. And I, I've never noticed that much of a difference. Yeah. The reality them, is, is, but that, I, I haven't done extensive yeah, research. The reality is, them. is that, I mean, we're actually growing some in South Florida and a single tree will have all three. They'll have really? leaves that are red. I have leaves that are, you know, they have veins of white. It's more so about the way that it's processed. If it's uh, exposed to sunlight, uh, it starts oxidizing and that's what turns it red, but it also changes the chemical structure of it. So um, that really was more of a marketing thing because you know, you're told to take white in the morning and green in the afternoon and red at night. <laughs> And there's really not a lot of difference between them. Interesting. But you found when you were doing your home lab formulations mm -hmm. that, that different strains of Kratom would, with the entourage effect of the Kava, change the effect? Yeah, of it? and most of that was, you know, where it was sourced at, whether it was oh, okay. Indonesia or Thailand or, where, you know, wherever it came from. In today's world, one thing has become abundantly clear, and that is as a collective and as individuals, we could really be well served by learning how to manage our stress. In fact, according to the American Psychological Association, chronic stress is linked to the six leading causes of death. That's how serious it is. So as we see the world changing around us, it's more important than ever, in my opinion, that we learn how to adapt to stress. And one of the most important molecules in the world to help the body and mind alleviate and deal with stress is magnesium. Now, most people think stress is caused by things like work, traffic, tense relationships, politics, and all that stuff. So they focus on solutions like meditation, going to the spa, going to the gym, trying to chill out. I'm a fan of most of those things. But what if the root cause of much of the stress we experience has to do with the deficiency in magnesium? Magnesium is the body's master mineral. It's so powerful that it helps to regulate over 300 critical reactions in the body, including detoxification, fat metabolism, energy, stress, and even digestion is influenced by the presence of magnesium. So if there's one mineral you should make sure to include in your diet, it's magnesium. And it's very difficult to get an adequate level of magnesium in your diet due to the depletion of this mineral in our soils, etc. So that's why I'm really excited to tell you about a new magnesium product called Magnesium Breakthrough. It's the ultimate magnesium supplement, easily the best I've ever seen or experienced in all my years of geeking out on this stuff. It's got seven forms of magnesium, which is unheard of. So if you're ready to check it out, here's what you do. Go to buyoptimizers.com luke. And once you get there, the product you're looking for is Magnesium Breakthrough. If you use the code LUKE10, you'll save 10%, but you can also save up to 40% off select packages of Magnesium Breakthrough. So again, go to buyoptimizers.com slash LUKE. That's B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S, buyoptimizers.com slash LUKE. The thing I find interesting about Kratom is that <laughs> it's literally just a ground up leaf, right? I mean, yeah. you know, unless you're making an extract of it or something like that, which yeah, we I mean, can it's talk a, about. It's a tree. It's in the coffee family. And you're, you know, basically consuming. And in, in its native form, they make a tea out of it. So they take the leaves and they strain a tea out of it. That's the way it's consumed. So very, and, very similar to the tea leaves. Right. And then with... Kava, it's a root. It's a root. 
And there's a bit more processing that goes into that. Um, it depends on, you know, uh, who's doing it. Um, I mean, the, na- the, the true native uh, way of doing it is for people to chew it and then spit it out. And the enzymes break it down. And then you drink that. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough not, sell. <laughs> not, not, not many people really understand that. but That's really... And that's not what anybody's getting here in the U.S. But right. when I did it years ago, that's the way that it was done. Really? Yeah. They had, uh, of all things, they had the kids chewing, you know, the, the roots during the day and spitting it into, you know, containers. And that's what we were consuming at night. Holy shit. Did you know that at the time you are consuming it? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cavalier. Yeah. And I was, I've tried everything. So <laughs> <clears throat> that's really interesting. Yeah. With the, with the Kratom, you know, some people are concerned about the addictive potential of it. And as I said, I've never, I've never personally experienced that. But when I first discovered Kratom, I think I got some of the uh, raw leaf powder, you know, mm-hmm. and I found, wow, it's really good for killing pain. You know, I've had back pain here and there and maybe on a flight, right. I'll take Kratom and I didn't really find it to be um, overwhelming in, in its ability to get you intoxicated. I don't think, I don't know, you'd have to take so many capsules to get high. It would, it just, it was just too much. But then I discovered this uh, extract, mm. this 50X, 50X extract. And I was like, well, I'm going to try that. And uh, on a few occasions, and I learned my lesson, I really, I have a bunch of it at home. I don't even touch it anymore. I guess maybe, maybe if I was in a lot of pain, if I hurt my back or something like that, or even on, I keep a little bit in my flight bag just in case I'm in a lot of pain, but I kind of forget about it. But I, again, I didn't find myself using it habitually or abusing it or anything. I don't really like the feeling of it. It makes me a yeah. little moody. I get these, yeah. like when I was a street opiate addict, I would have these waves of kind of depression and just moody, weird feelings. So the euphoria was like a moving target. I could kind of never really get the, the feeling to stick. And that yeah. was the same with the extract. But I did have a friend who, I, who was sober and I warned him. I said, hey, man you know, be really careful with this stuff if you're going to try it. Cause he was asking me about it and he'd come over to my house every once in a while. Cause I had a big jug of it. I just ordered bulk and um, he'd take a little bag home. And then I noticed he started calling me more frequently or he texts me. He's like, yeah. Hey man, can I come over and get some of that extract? And I was like, are you all right? He's like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I said, okay, be careful. And lo and behold, after some time he texted me and he will remain unnamed, but he'll know who he is if he ever hears this, but he texted me and he's like, man, I got dope sick you know, he had withdrawals from it. He says two or three nights at the shaky legs and all that. And I'm like, ugh, I know that feeling. That is one of the worst feelings uh, known to man. So that gave me a bit of pause, uh, but I've never noticed that from, from the leaf. That's what you're describing is from hydroxy-7-mitragynine, which is one of the, one of 50 some alkaloids that are in Kratom. And when they do the extracts, that's one of them that they're extracting and concentrating. So that's, that's why it's, it's so much more addictive and it's so much more harmful for you. Um, to people that don't understand, I, I like to describe it. The easiest way I know it is it's, it's the exact same thing, the difference between coca leaves and cocaine. So when they make cocaine, they take the coca leaves, they use solvents, and they extract two out of 51, I think, alkaloids. And, you know, you have people in Central and South America that have been chewing coca leaves 
their entire life into their 80s, no issues. But most people that start with cocaine, it doesn't end well. <laughs> and, that would be the case for me. And I, you know, including myself, um, what I look at it is is to kind of an easy way to is just don't mess with Mother Nature. Mother Nature created these blends for a reason. And when you start, you know, changing that, that's when you get into issues. Yeah, so very much. That's so. why I was very adamant about using full plant material versus using synthetics or extracts, which um, is not very easy to do when you're trying to get it into a shot like that. I bet. I bet. Yeah, I love that analogy of the the coca leaf versus cocaine, and to take it a step further, crack. Right? <laughs> even like, yeah. you know, even the worst of the worst. Oh God! It's the exact same thing with with either kratom or kava. They use either solvents or CO2 and extract certain octones or, or alkaloids out to create the extracts. Yeah, it's definitely interesting um, with the, the coca leaf because I haven't used cocaine in uh, almost 25 years, but uh, I do use coca leaf, you know, as a dip, mambe yeah. they call it, and you mix it with some baking soda, but it's just a ground up leaf. I remember the first time I tried that and it's very subtle. I mean, there's no way does it get you high. It's just like almost like a cup of green tea or something, but yeah. it's just, it's a mood elevating. It's very nice. I really like it. But I remember the first couple of times I tried it, I thought, man, they really screwed this up. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's like, it's so nice. It's so subtle. It's not going to help you escape from your problems or sit and chat and try to solve the world's problems like a Coke high will. But I just thought, God, they ruined it. You know, cocaine yeah, is no, just so nasty compared to the, you know, the very subtle, well, smooth effect of the leaf. It's two things. One is the fact that they're, you know, messing with the balance of the alkaloids. The second is, is that there's residue left in there of whatever they, you know, processed it with, which in cocaine's case, in most cases, is gasoline. I've seen those videos on YouTube. Yeah. There's like these kids in a village, you know, putting the leaves in yeah. a big vat of gasoline. I was like, oh my God, I used to put that shit in my body. It's yeah. disgusting. No wonder you feel bad the next day. Yeah, exactly. Or two days later or whatever. Yeah. Or even five <laughs> minutes later in yeah. some cases. Remember when I first moved to LA in 1989, I, I had grown up in Northern California. And uh, for whatever reason, when I first started experimenting with cocaine, it was, it was much more pure. You know, it just, yeah. I think it actually had cocaine in it. I remember moving to LA and people, Hey, let's get some Coke. And we do Coke. And I go, I don't even think there was Coke in that. You know, it's just, well, yeah. who knows what was in there. It's just you super you, sketchy. You don't want to know. Yeah. Uh, so I, I want to cover a bit more of this, but your backstory is really interesting. And you and I share something and that was a, a destructive uh, love or dependency for alcohol. Mm -hmm. So take me back into earlier life. When did, uh, you know, when did drinking kind of become a problem for you and, and how did that ultimately end up in you needing to give it up entirely? So, you know, I started out uh, in the oil and gas business, uh, started out, you know, from the very bottom, uh, had some incredible success, way beyond what I'd ever dreamed success was. Um, you know, huge company, hundreds and hundreds of employees, of, you know, the big houses, the planes, the cars, the boats, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but my mentors that I looked up to, you know, the, the standard life was work hard, you know, party harder, play harder. And the main component of that was alcohol. 
And, you know, for the longest time, alcohol really worked for me. And then it started, you know, uh, escalating to the point that there started, you know, the wheels started to come off. And this accumulated at, you know, at a point where, you know, I'm sitting in the house, we're having a party, there's three or 400 people there. Um, and I'm sitting in the master bedroom by myself. And I'm like, I'm just totally miserable. Um, you know, and then things continued to deteriorate even more. And that led to an intervention and me going off to treatment and, um, at treatment, um, I learned a lot about myself and, um, you know, I'm one of these people that, you know, one time in treatment was a light bulb moment for me and it really changed my life. Me and, too. Thanks. And I haven't had a drink since then. And that was in um, 2008. I've often wondered what it is that makes sobriety stick for some people on the first time. And that's how it was for me too. I think that um, part of it was I was just really miserable. <laughs> you know, I just, I, from outward appearance, I had, you know, all the measures of success, but inside I was just, you know, I was bankrupt. So you, you hadn't, you know, lost the wife and the career and all of the external stuff hadn't yet crumbled. It was you? starting to fall apart. Uh, fortunately, my wife, you know, stayed with me. Um, but, you know, if I had let it go on very much longer, it would have all totally exploded. What do you think was it in you that caused you to have that need to, to numb out and, and check out in that way? You know, um, what I learned, you know, while I was in treatment was that, you know, my family was extremely distant, um, even me more so than the rest of my family. I never really had, you know, any um, social connections with my family personal connections, um, never really had any personal connections with anybody, um, unless I was drinking and drinking allowed me to feel comfortable in my own skin and to actually communicate with other people. I've thought about, uh, trauma a lot, you know, in my journey and <clears throat> because, and I've also been around a lot of people that are sober, you know, and yeah. I, of course, we work together, we support each other, you get to know each other on a pretty deep level, you know, in, in treatment and afterward, if you, um, you know, elect to join support groups and things like that. And um, one thing I found to be quite a common thread is, is trauma in childhood. But what's been interesting to me about it is that in some cases it's acute, it's physical abuse, sexual abuse. Uh, and so there's something very obvious, a punctuation mark in one's life right. that really injured them, right? Where there's, oh, then this, the thing happened, you know, that dark shadowy thing that you know screwed you up and then eventually you're masking it and trying to numb it out with drugs and alcohol. But there are other people where it seems like their trauma was more around something that didn't happen. There was something, yeah. there was something missing, you know, that, that should have been there. And in your case, it sounds like perhaps that sense of connection and support. So there's almost uh, an emotional neglect yeah. that is you know, I guess, relatively speaking, as harmful or that can end up with the same consequences later in life as someone who went through some really 
I mean, hard from, shit. Again, from outward appearance, I think my childhood was, you know, looked great. Um, you know, and, and I take responsibility. There's just something about me that, you know, I just couldn't connect. I just didn't feel any desire to and didn't know how to. And it was just very distant. When you were really little, do you remember your parents holding you, hugging you, telling, telling you how much they love you and, no, and whatnot? No. That, we didn't have that kind of family. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not, when I say that, it's not like it's a, abusive or anything. That. Sure. It's just, we just weren't, uh, weren't a loving family like that. It was, it was just a different dynamic. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting though? You know, yeah. how, I mean, I think in, in my childhood, there was a lot of love in me. Both my parents were affectionate, told me they loved me. Uh, there was a lot of support and, and connection. And uh, I, I think that I have a relatively easy time connecting with other people and, and bonding, but there was also, um, you know, different types of abuse and neglect and abandonment and things that went on yeah. there too. And, and, you know, abuse, not so much at the hands of my parents directly, but just in the periphery. And so, you know, it's like you have two people that went to drinking and developed an alcoholic problem and had totally different experiences, but it's, it's almost as if inside subjectively, you know, we feel the same kind of pain. Yeah. And what's interesting to me about it is you can take two kids from the same family, either that were outwardly abused or else just maybe neglected and not really um, you know, uh, having that sense of affection and being cared for, but there's a certain gene or some molecular makeup <clears throat> in, in people like me that makes alcohol fix everything. Everything's better. Oh yeah. You I, know, like I have, a, I have two brothers and one of them is, is like me and one of them is not like he had the same mom and dad with their half brothers, but they shared a pretty similar experience. Similar. One of them, he drinks half a beer and he's just like, Oh God, I'm getting tired. And me and my other brother, you know, it solved everything. The first yeah. time I had a drink, it was just like the clouds parted and the Lord. Oh, know, yeah. To this, to this just, day, I can remember my first drink. Well, what did it feel like? Was it a sense of, you know, it relief? It was just bliss. I mean, I felt it, you know, coming on. And most people say when they first have a drink, they don't like the taste. They don't, you know. I loved it from day one. And it just was like. This is what I've been missing. Yeah, I relate to that. I've always wondered, you know, what it is. And maybe someday there'll be a test for it, right? Yeah. A certain, a certain something in your genetics that makes you more prone to not only addiction, but it's just fascinating to me that one person gets a tremendous amount of relief from drugs and alcohol and the, another person with a similar kind of story and similar mm -hmm. trauma or neglect or whatever it is, it does nothing. They don't get that sense of relief. It's just fascinating to me. Uh, it has to do something with body chemistry, I think. Mm -hmm. And people react differently. As someone who spends so much time, energy, and money to be healthy, I want to keep track of what's working and what's not. That's why I'm really into this company I found called Inside Tracker. They are an ultra personalized performance system that analyzes data from your blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness tracker to help you optimize your body and reach your health and wellness goals. Through their app and testing protocol, I'm able to get a clear picture of what my body looks like on the inside. And I also get a clear measure of whether my diet, supplement, and exercise choices are helping or even hurting. I did the whole inside tracker deal recently and was actually shocked to find that I was less than perfect in some areas. 
my cholesterol and B vitamins were high, for example, and a few other things that needed a little tweaking. There was, of course, also some good news, as my overall health score was that of a much younger person and certainly more optimized than your average American. And that's the point. The whole goal with Inside Tracker is to be optimized, not normal. So they don't merely show you the normal biomarker zones, they show you the optimal biomarker zones and numbers that are best for your individual body. So if you want to check this out, I highly recommend you sign up for Inside Tracker now. You're going to get your testing done, the results of your biomarkers, and then some incredible lifestyle and diet recommendations from their brainiac scientists to help you improve everything you find. Just go to insidetracker.com Luke, where you will save 25% off your entire order. That's insidetracker.com Luke. So you're a big wig in the oil and gas industry. You got all the toys, all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you, and you didn't really have to, you know, lose it all in order to come to your senses and go to rehab. What would you say to someone who is struggling with financial abundance and has the belief that when they just make it, they're going to be happy and fulfilled. Well, I don't know what for them, but for myself, what I've found out was that it's really not about the money. I mean, money's important. I wouldn't tell anybody that it's not, but I needed something that, you know, I could say that it was a purpose why I'm doing this other than just doing it for myself because you know for the longest time in that I didn't really have personal feelings for anyone I just looked at everything as resources so you know when I engaged with you it was really about you know what can I use you for to get to what I want to get to it wasn't anything about I don't care about you any of that because I just didn't even think about that and, um, you know, that's a, that's a very cancerous place to be <laughs> over time. When you, it, it becomes really lonely. Yeah. When you hit bottom, um, it sounds like you had an interesting experience and in that it was more of an internal realization that it was everything around you falling apart. I find that interesting because <clears throat> many people you know, have to be put in abject well, failure. I, I say that it was, it was internal and external. Mm-hmm. I mean, I did have pretty much everyone around me, you know, saying you got to do something. You're, you're killing yourself. You're going to kill yourself and or somebody else at the rate you're going. And when you got out of uh, treatment, what tools did you use or what, what did you do to work on that underlying you know, you lack know, it's, of fulfillment. It's what was interesting was, you know, I went to um, Atlanta to a 90-day inpatient uh, treatment. And um, this particular place specializes with doctors and airplane pilots. And I lived with three doctors in a condo there on the grounds. And the treatment itself, the sessions and all that were fine. But really where... I got my benefit was for the first time ever is living with, you know, three other men and having real discussions about, you know, what's going on in life, you know, what the problems are. Cause I'd never really talked to anybody about that before. And, you know, these are professionals and a couple of them, you know, very, very successful. Um, 
you know, realizing that they were struggling with the same thing that I was because my problem was I was a functioning alcoholic um, in that, um, and I kept thinking I could tweak this or move that or whatever, and I'll, I'll get control of it because I controlled everything else in my life. And, you know, if I work hard enough, I'll figure this out too, and I can have my cake and eat it too. And what I realized was that I'm not the only one that's, you know, has this insanity, which is what it is. You know, continuing to do the same thing over and over, expecting different results is the definition of insanity. And, you know, for me, like I said, the, the scheduled, you know, uh, sessions and all that stuff were, I think, kind of set the stage. But my light bulb moment was, I think it was like a Sunday evening. We're watching TV and the movie comes on A Beautiful Mind uh, about John Nash. Um, and at the end of that movie, they're walking along and... Um, his with his arch nemesis and he's like because you know he's psychotic and he goes do you still see them he looks over and they're walking along beside you know he's the only one that can see him but he sees him he said yeah i still see him he said but i've learned not to engage with them and up until that moment my entire life anything i thought i thought was real or true any thought i had Oh, yeah. And what I realized was I've got the same thing that he has. He has a more severe version of it because he's actually seeing, but I'm acting on these things that are in these voices in my head. And most of them aren't real or they're not true, but I've been actioning them my entire life. And it was just one of those moments where I just said, you know, I've got to figure out how to not engage with them like he has. In terms of negative thought patterns and and things like that. Yeah, that are, or just this thing about, you know, you can you can do this. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. And the reality is, you know, genetics or whatever it is, I can't do that. Yeah. I just can't do it. And, you know, I think I would have without that, I would have just continued to try until I killed myself. Mm-hmm. And I was on a fast trajectory down. I can only imagine when someone has the resources and also has a habit or two, you know, (laughs) I think I was fortunate in that I was always broke. Right. So it was just, you know, getting through that one day and then trying to come up with the money to get well the next day. You see that with, you know, high profile people, whether they be athletes or celebrities or whatever, they're a lot more prone to, you know, kill themselves. Yeah. Because they have, all the support around them. They have unlimited resources. And, and a bunch of yes people around them of, too. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, parasites that are yeah. just kind of feeding off their resources yeah. or fame and things like that. And, oh, you're they, good, you're good, you know. Kill, kill the golden goose. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's interesting when you talk about the mind and, and believing your thoughts. You know, when I was uh, probably about five or six years sober, I was still having a lot of emotional and mental problems and was just, I was better, but still mm-hmm. some of the underlying issues were just, you know, rampant to say the least. And um, I started really delving into the literature of recovery, the the books of Alcoholics Anonymous, et cetera. And I just, you know, I knew that I had gotten sober, but I was still not well. 
And I, you know, there were elements of my personality um, that were still very defective. And I just, you know, I just couldn't change some of the stuff about myself. And there was one thing it said in, in what they call the big book. And it says, um, alcoholism is centered in the mind. And someone pointed that out to me. I thought, oh, so it's not really about whether I drink alcohol. It's that the way, yeah. the way so I think is so warped. And it also says uh, that, you know, drinking uh, an alcoholic has a warped mind. Yeah. And that the, so I started really focusing on my thoughts. And as you described, seeing how all of my life, it's like the mind would just produce an idea and I'd go, yeah, sounds good. <laughs> I just run Take with off. it, yeah. no matter how stupid or ill-informed it was. that sounds extremely elementary, but nobody had ever told me that. And, you know, so I was just operating off of what I thought was how everybody operated. and. um you know, that's what it led to. Yeah, that process of self-inquiry is everything. I remember even before I got sober, uh, my dad took me to a lecture by this woman named Byron Katie, a spiritual teacher who's incidentally been on the show since. But uh, her whole model is built around um, self-inquiry, you know, asking yourself questions. And she has a series of four questions, the first of which being, is it true? So say... Uh, you know, give a simple example, say I'm out somewhere and I run into someone I know and they seem like they kind of brush me off. I say hi and I give a, a warm welcome and they're like, oh yeah, and they just keep going. And then I get in my car and I'm like, oh, they think they're better than me. Yeah. Or, you know, whatever the, whatever the thought is. And, and her whole thing totally is- totally different. Yeah, and her whole thing is, is it true? Can you really know that it's true? Yeah. Who would you be without the thought that that's true? And, and just that kind of- practice of self-inquiry rather than just going with the first thing that my mind spits out, which is often charged with emotion, right? That makes it even more yeah. believable is to just go, can I really know that? And I think that's been one of the biggest gifts of my entire life has just been the, you know, the willingness to question what I think well, is true. The other aspect of it is, and, you know, when you ask what, you know, what I did and what tools is I've really started doing the same thing you did, started researching and and I started uh, uh, really studying neuroscience. And, you know, what I didn't realize is that we actually have two brains, the new brain and the old brain. Uh, and the old brain is fight or flight. And it's, it's extremely fast. But it's not, it doesn't take into account really all the knowledge that you're holding. The new brain is, holds a lot of knowledge, but it's an extremely slow processor. And I had always prided myself on making fast decisions. <laughs> and yeah. so I was making fight or flight decisions on pretty much everything, which is not good. And um, once I understood that, <coughs> you know, I changed, you know, how I process things. And, you know, the greatest example of that is, and I read this in a book and I tried it. You know, when somebody sends you an email that's charged and you fire an email back, take that email and, and save it and come back the next day and look what you wrote. It's exactly what you talked about earlier that you'll look at it and go, I responded totally wrong to what they were telling me. But I was, I was res responding fight or flight O-brain and I was escalating it. And I probably didn't even, 
I was totally off base with what they were trying to communicate to me. And then rewrite the email, totally different, <laughs> and send it. And it's amazing the different results you get versus That's something huge. blowing yeah. up. You know, it, you know. That alone would be enough value for someone to listen to this podcast, honestly. It took me years with that thing specifically with emails. But again, I know? just, um, nobody had told me that. I don't know why they don't teach that type of stuff in school. Because I think that's the root of a lot of problems that people are having is they're running around their entire life without ever really engaging the better part of their brain. I mean, fight or flight's necessary, probably not so much today as it was, you know, years and years, you know, millions of years ago with man, but it, you know, you can't survive. I don't, or you can't thrive, I don't think, in this environment without having issues by just making those types of decisions. And, and I think a lot of people are doing that. And it's not their fault. No one's ever explained it to them. Because I, I talk to people about it now, and most people are like, never heard of that before. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, emotional intelligence courses starting in preschool. <laughs> I mean, some of the stuff they teach, you know, is to me is meaningless. I don't know why they don't put more effort into some of the things that actually wind up being some of the more important things in life. I have theories about that, which we'll <laughs> save for another podcast. I think if, uh, if schools were designed to create emotionally stable and healthy, independent, sovereign people, you know, there's It'd be a hard to, hard to control. Yeah, exactly. You know where I'm going with that. Yeah. Um, were there any other, actually, you know what I want to ask you is the disease, if you want to call it that, some call it that, some don't. Uh, I think of disease as a sense of dis-ease, right? So the dis-ease of alcoholism and addiction, there's mm -hmm. definitely a lack of ease. So it fits from that context. Um, and, and as I discovered, and you did, uh, it sounds too, is that it, so much of it really is based in the way that you think, right? The thoughts yeah. that, you, that you have. And then it becomes a physical problem depending on what chemicals you're using because you could become a physically addicted uh, mm -hmm. as I was. And then you come out of it and I was kind of disappointed to find that the most, the most successful uh, route known, you know, historically is for people to find a spiritual connection. Right. And that ultimately underneath all of that dis-ease is this uh, lack of, of connection to a higher power, you know, so. You have to have something that's more powerful than you are. Yeah. So most recovery programs and things are kind of based around like, Hey, you know, if you're an atheist, you're going to have a hard time. <laughs> you, know, yeah. you have to come to believe in some kind of higher power. What's your journey been like in terms of your, your spirituality and, and finding a connection to something greater? You know, um, I think for me, it was more of what I just described earlier. It was more um, um, research and educational and really understanding, you know, why I had been doing what I was doing and, and ways to get around that, whether it be meditation or whatever. You know, what I can say is that, you know, they say, you know, what do you have when you take alcohol away from an asshole? You still have an asshole. And even though I had, you know, made this step in the right direction, I still didn't uh, feel comfortable in my own skin. 
I didn't, uh, you know, I just didn't feel right. And uh, that's really start what started the journey in, uh, in this is that, you know, I, so I started looking for other things that I felt were, were healthier that could, you know, get me the feeling that I had with alcohol, but uh, not have the downside. So anything that, you know, was out there in the market, legal, illegal, whatever, I would try it. And there were two camps that either didn't do anything or it did too much. And, you know, I wanted something that I could still work, work out, all of that, but, but feel good doing it and not have to be just taking it all the time. And what I found was that there was, for me, there was nothing out there that could do that. So I got the idea of creating it myself. When you set up this lab in your, uh, nice segue too, because I did, <laughs> there were other questions I had around, around this formula and plant medicines in general. When you set up this lab in your house and started toying with these things, was, was there any concern from your wife that like, oh, yeah. he's going to go off oh, yeah. the deep end again? Definitely so. How did you assuage her concerns? You know, um, I think she underlyingly, I mean, I wasn't really a, still wasn't a pleasant person to be around <laughs> because I was still really distant. Um, I think she, you know, wanted me to find something to kind of round me out. Um, but she had real concern that I was going to slip back off into a rabbit hole again. And, you know, she voiced that continuously, um, especially with the fact that in doing these combinations, some of them give you some pretty, you know, uh, undesired results. <laughs> Lay down on the couch, nauseous yeah, kind of yeah. thing. <laughs> some of that or just knocked out or just too jittery and jumping around or whatever and, and, so she was seeing all this and she's going, you know, you're, you're crazy. You're going crazy again. <laughs> and I heard this over and over and over again, but I kept, you know, I kept thinking that like most things in my life that I can figure out a way to, to fix this, to do it. And in this, in this case, I'm glad that I did because I did finally find something that um, gave me the social connection I was after gave me actually, you know, the energy, the focus to enhance, whether that be a workout or work or whatever. And, um, you know, at that point in time, I had no thoughts of taking a commercial, uh, but I started sharing it with friends and they're like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this stuff's incredible and you should, you know, you should sell it. Oh, really? So, so you were just making your own formula in yeah. the beginning? Yeah. Oh, that's I funny. had no thoughts of taking a commercial. What were you doing for work at the time when you started the experimentation? When in, the reason I went to Southeast Asia is I launched a uh, fintech company, financial technology for the underbanked. And um, so I was still kind of wrapping that, wrapping that up. And then at what point did you, you know, start giving it to your friends and go, you know what, I'm going to do something with this. And and how'd you come up with the name Feel Free and the whole, the whole thing? So come together? again, you know, I started sharing it with friends and then they would tell friends and more and more people were, you know, wanting it. And more and more people were saying, you need to do something with this. So I started really kind of formulating, you know, um, you know, what the packaging would look like. What the, and the name was a whole 
that was a long process of, because I started putting a team together that, you know, had experience in consumer packaged goods and pretty much everything I was thinking, they were telling me that's crazy. You can't do it. You know, it makes no sense. And some of it, I listened to them. (laughs) Most of it, I just went ahead because it felt right. Uh, The name to me was because it does so many different things. It's the closest thing that covers it because you can feel free of pain. You can feel free of stress, you know, all these different things. Uh, Whereas anything else I thought of was more limiting. Um, I mean, one of the biggest things is is I I put my personal number on the boxes and everything else. Does it still on there? Yeah. Wow. Damn. I, that's like a nightmare to me is giving up my cell phone number. You know, and that says all a lot. the people that were experts in the field said, you can't do that. You know, it's, that's going to be, a, you're going to regret that. That's actually been the most valuable thing of the whole thing. Because I get calls from people from all over the country telling me, you know, what it's done for them or their family. And it's just, it's real because I'm not soliciting this. They're just calling me up saying, you know, I just want you to know this. I mean, an example would be there was a family here in uh, Austin that actually the, the, she she purchased it. And she said, you know, I got it. She said, it's okay. You know, she didn't rock my world. She said, it's okay. But she said, the reason I'm calling you is she said, I gave some to my husband. I didn't tell him what it was. Just told him it was a wellness shot. And she said about 45 minutes later, she said, my two little girls come in. Said, What's wrong with daddy? And she said, what are you talking about? And she said, well, he's in here. He's got his, put his phone up. He's playing with us. He's giggling. And she said, you know, I've continued to give it to him. She said, you know, you brought my husband back. Wow. And I said, what do you mean by that? She said, well, he, was, he wasn't the same person that I married. And she said, he's back to that same person again. And she said, that's what I wanted to tell you. And I was just like, it's one of those, I don't do a good job, you know, probably, but it was just one of those really emotional, powerful moments that I'm like, that's why we do this. Yeah. Well, especially, you know, having lived as someone who is very selfish and self-centered, exactly. as, you, as you described earlier. I mean, I, I know what that's like. You walk into a room and you're like, how can I get what I want out of this situation? Yeah. <laughs> you know, no regard for anyone else. Anyone else just serves a purpose to get me what I think is going to be fulfilling. And, you know, to have the inverse of that, which is the way my life is now as well, is like literally walk into a room and think, what can I contribute to it? And getting similar feedback, you know, constantly on this podcast, same thing, messages from people. And on days where I'm like bogged down with administrative stuff and I'm like, God, this sucks. I don't want to do this. Bing, I get a DM on Instagram of someone that says, oh, your show changed my life. And it's like, oh yeah, yeah that's it. That's, you know, that's, and then if you make money, it's like, cool. Oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's yeah. fun too. That's an added bonus. But like, if you actually enjoy what you do yeah. and you have a purpose You're to it. Very, very fortunate if you can do that. Cause a lot of people are getting up every day and they don't, they don't get that. I've been there. I've been into energetic healing technologies for many years, especially those that are supportive for EMF exposure. And there are a lot of so-called quantum products on the market, and I've tried just about any one I've ever heard of, but few of them have had any noticeable effect. 
However, there is one product line that's passed my test and become part of my arsenal, and it's called Leela Quantum Tech. Leela Quantum has developed a groundbreaking technology to increase your energy level, become more stress resistant, and also helps to support your whole family, pets, and garden with pure quantum energy. The Leela Quantum products have been certified and studied by various third-party institutes and doctors, and these studies have found significant improvements in people's blood, cellular voltage, allergy reduction, and heart rate variability. But my favorite benefit of all is that the Leela Quantum products help neutralize harmful frequencies, including any EMF like 4G, 5G, microwaves, and Wi-Fi. In fact, I have the Leela Quantum block in my kitchen where I charge my food, drinks, and supplements, as well as the Infinity block in my living room and here in the studio for a huge energetic upgrade. Leela Quantum Tech is a truly conscious business that wants to do good in the world and even plants a tree for every order. So if you want to hook up your energetic environment and have a tree planted on your behalf, you can go to leelaq.com and use the code LUKE10 to save 10% off your first order. That's L-E-E-L-A-Q.com and the discount code is LUKE10 for new customers. So I want to tell you too, Feel Free is the best name ever. And actually when Josh gave me uh, these bottles, I think before the one I had before had a sticker on it. And then I remember seeing a photo of this one. I was like, that's good ass branding. I mean, the color of the bottle, the name, like you've done a really, really good job. So kudos to that. Now those same people that, you know, told me you can't do this and shouldn't do that, whatever, they're all, you know, saying the same thing. So <laughs> at least in that part of it, and, and it's, the proof of it is, is that we put it out, you know, in hundreds and hundreds of stores across the country and without any marketing, nobody had ever heard of it before. And it took off incredibly fast. It's in one of the top chains, convenience store chains in the country. It's outselling Red Bull and five hour combined. Oh, that's so cool. Dude, you like Trojan horse native plant medicines into yeah. mainstream culture. Yeah. That's so cool. Which I think, again, is the coolest part of it. I tell people that um, Kratom probably is the largest unknown product in the U.S. There's 4,500 metric tons coming in per month just from, just from Indonesia. What? If you take the average amount a user uses, that's tens of millions of people that are regularly using it. Yet, if I walked down the road and asked 20 people, what it was, odds are 15, 18 of them would know what I'm talking about. That's so funny. And it's funny. because it's been pigeonholed in this space. And my thought is, is, you know, why not get it out in the open? And, you know, in the East, plant medicines have always been front and center, you know, then supported by synthetics. In the West, it's just the opposite. And the reason for that is you can't you can't patent plant medicines. Yeah, you can't patent a tree. So there's a commercial reason why the, we've gone the direction we have. Um, but it's it's encouraging to me that there's a general macro macro shift towards plant medicines. It started with cannabis and the legalization state by state. You're seeing that now with with kratom. It's being um, there's been Kratom regulation passed in six states now. 30 more are in the process of passing it. Positive regulation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. When I say regulation, 
it's not regulation. You can't, you know, use it. It's regulation of here's what you need to test for, you know, heavy metals, contaminants, different kinds of things. And it outlaws high concentration synthetics and extracts. Wow. Which I think is, you know, if you Google, right, it'll scare you to death. Yeah, I know. But that's all based on these synthetics and extracts. Yeah. When, uh, when I started seeing it in, in the general world, other than online, it's always kind of, it's at the liquor store, you know, at the, these kind of like weed stores and stuff. I don't go to weed stores, but you know, those kind of liquor stores that sell boner pills and it's kind of, you know, it's kind of up with that stuff, you know, and it's just kind of, it's kind of shady. So I think that was, that piqued my interest also when I saw what you were doing, because I was like, oh, this is actually elevated branding. It's, it's totally, you know, a different way of bringing it forward. Um, and obviously I'm assuming you're, you are testing for heavy metals and mold and this kind of stuff. Yeah. We, we test, you know, again, because I was, I designed this for myself. You know, the first thing that I was con, you know concerned about was the safety of it. And I'm pretty particular about what I consume, uh, especially since 2008. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure that it, you know, it wasn't causing me any harm. I mean, so I actually, because again, no one had mixed these two together before. I experimented on myself. I did what I would consider abusive levels of it for an extended period of time. And I checked my blood chemistry versus my annual blood chemistry to see if, you know, elevated liver enzymes or anything like that. I didn't see anything. I took it one step farther. I did some of the synthetics extracts and very quickly I saw changes in blood chemistry. Oh, really? Yeah. How, when you say you were doing uh, abusive levels of it, how many bottles a day were you Six doing? Six a day. <laughs> oh my God, dude. And I, I wouldn't recommend that to anybody. Oh, no way. But uh, because I did feel a little toxic. How did you function, man? Actually, I functioned really well. Really? Yeah, very, very productive. <laughs> That's so funny because like I said, the first day I got these, I drank a whole one. And then I don't know if I've had a whole one since because it's maybe a couple of times I was like, oh, it's a little too much. So maybe, you know, I kind of sip it throughout the day or I keep one in my car and I'll just drink a quarter of one. But I imagine like six of those in one day, I feel like I would be laid out. That's uh, astonishing that you were able to also keep it together and not lose it. But it's good to know you didn't get sick from it, you know? Uh, what did you find when you did the synthetics and stuff? What changes did you find in your in your chemistry? Elevated liver enzymes. Oh, okay. And also um, elevated blood sugar. Oh, okay. So it's just hard on your liver to process all yeah. that stuff. Yeah. Interesting. And then in terms of um, regulation, and I've been watching Kratom for a few years, and it looks like there have been a couple, thankfully, ill-fated attempts from the the authorities. Actually, to- actually a successful attempt. Uh, Kratom is the only substance that's ever been scheduled and then unscheduled. Really? In 2000, and it's either 2015, 2016, the FDA uh, submitted some science and was able to get it scheduled. Uh, so it was federally illegal. Within the next year, hundreds of thousands of people uh, started contacting their congressmen and some congressmen that had been using it they all started talking and uh, Congress overturned it. Wow. And it's just never happened before. 
I remember hearing murmurs of that. Yeah. And I think there were some veterans groups and things that were, you know, people what was, was, what was more fascinating was that, um, the former head of the FDA testified in Congress that the science was falsified. Really? Because they, they cited all these deaths and there was parts of them redacted. Well, one of them is an example. The guy was shot five times, yet they said he died from Kratom. <laughs> oh my God. Scandalous, dude. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of that going on in the in the world of medicine at the moment, as we know. People falling off buildings and dying of a flu, et cetera. Yeah. Um, wow, interesting. So do you have any, other than the um, anecdotal self um, lab that you did, uh, are you looking at any clinical trials or in, any further studies actually, to see what's um, happening? So we, back to the labs or the testing, we test, test the basin. One other thing I've found is that you can't always trust the testing that comes with the, the product from overseas or the ingredients. Um, they're just not accurate sometimes for various reasons. So we test, we have our own labs, you know, certified third-party labs here in the U.S. test all the ingredients coming in. And then we test the finished product also for any kind of contaminants or anything. So uh, again, because I'm consuming it, I want to make sure that it's, that it's safe and you know, that it's safe for everybody else too. What about any uh, experiments or trials where you test people's, I don't know, brain waves or HRV yeah. so, or performance, that um, kind of stuff? The next thing we're doing is I'm working with the University of Florida and we're um, setting up for next year, we're going to run clinical clinical study. Um, the clinical study will be for um, uh, productivity enhancement and focus and also anxiety. Uh, so it's, um, I'm very excited to do that. I know what the results are going to be based on, you know, what I've found out and what, you know, I've worked with other people informally. Uh, but, you know, once we have that completed, then we can, you know, we can, even go more mainstream right? and we could make more, you know, we can make claims basically. Right. Right. Cause now it's anecdotal and it's people calling your number on the bottle. Exactly. <laughs> oh, speaking of that, uh, I forgot to mention earlier, people listening, you can get the show notes for this episode at lukestory.com slash feel free. So if there was anything mentioned that you want to be able to click on and research uh, on a deeper level, again, that's lukestory.com slash feel free. And while I'm at it, uh, thank you for offering a discount code to us today. Uh, uh, for those of you that want to check out, feel free. You can go to botanictonics.com and use the code Luke40. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thank you for that. I love when people come on and it's like, if they're going to, I mean, it's just a given if they're going to talk about a product, which is not necessarily the point of it, because I want to get to know that person and mm -hmm. kind of the why behind what they're doing, even if I love their product, but it's always nice to give people a discount. So thank you yeah. for doing that. Um, hopefully you're, you'll sell a bunch of it and everyone will win and it's all great. But I just wanted to talk to you about this because I think your story is fascinating. And, um, you know, I don't, do you mind saying uh, how many years of age you are at this point? I'm uh, 59. I'll 59. be 60 in March. Okay. So you've got a few years on me yeah. and you've had success in other areas. And so I think it's interesting that you found something that you were excited enough about to just launch into a new industry and do something totally different and also do it in a different way than other people in the industry are. No, I, I just, um, I think there's a lot of value here. When I say value, not so much for me. I mean, I've, I've gotten my personal value out of it, but I think there's value in helping people 
with a lot of different things that they're dealing with, uh, whether that being, you know, trying not to use synthetic opioids or depression or anxiety or, you know, performance, athletic performance, whatever. It's, you know, if consumed, you know, in moderation and uh, it's a, you know, it's a wonderful plant medicine. It really is. It really is. Well, I'm glad you you created it. Thanks for doing all the R and D and making yourself have sick doing it. Sometimes <laughs> I don't think I'd want to be the guinea pig for that one. But yeah, man, it's great. You know, like I said, I drank some on the way here, and I don't know. It's cool. It's been a huge added benefit in my life. So I'm so glad that I discovered you, and you're you're part of the Austin crew here. We've got yeah. a lot of mutual friends yeah. now. I hope you move out here. We need more great minds like you. People doing good things in the world. I hope so too. Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the wife feel about the prospect of moving back here? You know, if, since we're originally from Texas, yeah. she's actually uh, kind of excited about it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Cool. Right on, man. Well, I think that's it. Thank you so much for, for coming on the well, show today, man. Me. Yeah. I'm glad we got to hook up and do this in person in such a yeah. beautiful studio and Cal, Cal Callahan, give him a shout out. He's got a podcast called the great unlearn and you've been on that show as well. Yeah. This, uh, two times. Cool. So you guys listen to The Great and Learn with my friend Cal. He was kind enough to let me walk in like a diva and just like start talking without having to set all the equipment up, which is really nice. Uh, I got one last question for yep. you. Who have been three teachers or teachings that have influenced your life and your work that you might share with us? I would say that, uh, I can't say the three, but uh, I read Siddhartha by Herman Hayes, And that just, you know, Totally made me, you know, think about things differently. Wow. Yeah. I've not read that. I don't think, I don't think I have the mind to be able to, to read something that dense. And then I, I also, I can't remember the author's name, but I read uh, The Hour Between Dog and Wolf. Oh, interesting. Um, and that's really a, a layman's neuroscience kind of condensed uh, understanding of, and that's where I got all the, you know, understanding of the new brain, the old brain, the vagus nerve and how all that actually works. And that was another, you know, real eye opener for me. That's very cool. I wonder what happens to your uh, HRV when you drink feel free. That'd be an interesting and pretty easy experiment. I might even do that myself with my aura ring. Yeah. You know, do a test before baseline, just sitting there, not doing anything, relaxing, yeah, if you do that, let me know. I'd like to. Yeah, it'd be interesting, what it, right? What it, what it does. I love the quantification. I mean, the aura ring is, you know, uh, I mean, I think it's accurate enough to track your sleep yeah. and your HRV. But now there, there are more uh, tech devices and stuff emerging that give you more, you know, more concrete quantification. It's an interesting point you bring up because a lot of people report that they have much deeper sleep with uh, feel free now. I'm not saying to drink, to drink it right before you go to bed, but, you know, drinking it early in the day. And what's even more interesting is a lot of people report uh, a lot more vivid dreams. I've noticed that. And I've definitely, I, I don't think before, I don't ever really, I know you have them every night. You just don't remember them. I don't really remember having dreams, but now I have intense dreams. Yeah, that's interesting. I have noticed that too. And good tip on not drinking it right before bed yeah. is it can be a little bit stimulating. So I usually, yeah, I probably, I can drink it later than I would drink a coffee. You know, because last night we went out to a great dinner yeah. at Carve. Shout out to Carve here. Uh, amazing uh, kind of steakhouse. 
And I drank probably half of one before I walked in because I was just smoked from work. And I'm like, man, I'm going to be sitting with 10 people right now. I got to like <laughs> turn on same, my personality. Same, same with me. You did? Yeah. Yeah. And then I went home and slept like a baby and yeah. had crazy ass dreams. Yeah, I normally don't. I won't drink it after about five or six o'clock. Okay. Yeah. I think I can push it. And I, and I go to more. bed pretty early. Yeah. Well, I go to bed. What time you go to bed? Usually around nine, nine thirty. Oh, God. You're my hero. That's like my dream in life. Well, that's why I can drink it at eight or nine because I'm going to bed at 11 or 12. All right, dude. So again, people can find you at botanictonics.com. If you guys want to check out, feel free. Again, you got a discount over there with the code Luke40 and the show notes for this episode are lukestory.com slash feel free. JW, thanks so much for coming by, man. Thanks for having me, man. Yep. All right. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling hella free at the moment. I, I actually, at the time of recording this outro, I drank about a quarter feel free uh, about two hours ago, and I'm still feeling pretty good. Uh, really wild stuff, man. It's you know, it's not that often that I take something that I really incorporate into my daily life, and uh, this has been one of them. So I was really excited to sit down with the man who created it. And dude just struck gold. I don't know. He nailed it. He just found the right combo of the right things, put them together in the right way. And uh, I'm very excited to share his story and also turn you guys on to one of my uh, favorite new obsessions. I mean, a healthy obsession. Don't get me wrong. I'm not addicted. Don't worry. Uh, I'd also like to invite you to join me for next week's episode. It's called Biohacking for Women, Red Light, Hormones, Fasting, and Fitness with Kristen Weitzel. And uh, we've been getting a lot of requests from the ladies like, hey, this is a very dude-dominant uh, space here in the biohacking optimization performance. What's up with the ladies? We need to know how you do this because you do it differently, turns out. So uh, I'm very excited to share next week's episode with you. Kristen is just a firestorm. Very cool woman, very knowledgeable, super real, down-to-earth, uh, accessible, just like the perfect guest for me. So that's next week's show number 383. Now, if you want to uh, take Feel Free, the thing we were talking about in this conversation with Jerry for a test drive, all you have to do is go to botanictonics.com. And if you use the code LUKE40 for a limited time, you're going to save 40%. That's almost half, half off. Uh, I was surprised during the episode. And I was like, hey, what's the code? He's like, LUKE40. And afterward, I was like, did you mean 40%? That's a lot. Like, do you even, is that, you're basically giving away feel free for free. I don't know what his margins are, but I thought that was cool. So you can find that at botanictonics.com. And again, the code is Luke40. And I'm really stoked for you guys to try this amazing adaptogenic plant medicine blend. And I don't use the term plant medicine loosely. Um, you know, all plants, I think, are essentially medicine unless they're poisonous, depending on, uh, you know, the polyphenols and constituents, molecularly speaking, of said plant, but uh, this one really is like a, a head changer. You know what I mean? Like you drink it and you realize something's happening. And everyone, I think with the exception of one person that I've turned on to uh, feel free, just freaking loves it. It's a huge uh, crowd pleaser. That and uh, John Lawrence's Zen Spray. Those are the two, like I always have in my bag and when I go to events and you know, parties and stuff around Austin, or even when I travel, I usually have those in my flight bag and hence backpack. And when people are like, what's the new thing? You know, give me something. Uh, those are the two I usually share and everyone freaks out. They just love it. So uh, with that, I'm really excited to share that one with you because it just, I don't know, it feels good. You feel free. 
I did offer it to one person uh, very close to me. And I was like, it's called feel free. It makes you feel free. And she was like, dude, I already feel free. <laughs> and that was the one person that didn't enjoy it. But everyone else has because it's super lit. It's just an incredible drink. Um, I want to give you a hot tip, though. If you get some feel free, I don't know if I mentioned this during the conversation, but you got to shake the hell out of it because the uh, plant fiber, you know, settles at the bottom. There's like some sediment. In fact, the one that I drank before recording this I thought I was done and then I kind of held it up to the light. It's in this really pretty sort of cobalt blue bottle. And I, I realized, nope, there's still some medicine in there. So it was disgusting. I don't recommend this, but I poured a little bit of coffee in and then I shook the hell out of it and I got the rest of that medicine out of there. And it was, it was hella good. I'm feeling great, ready to do more recording. Uh, I've got some more exciting news for you too. I don't know if you heard, but I launched my own blue blocking eyewear brand two weeks ago, hot off the presses. It's called Gilded. And you can find this blue blocking eyewear I speak of at gildedbylukestory.com. It's my first product. You know, I've been doing this podcast for six and a half years and people always ask me, man, why don't you make a product? And I just think, you know, everything's out there. But one thing that I couldn't find out there was a pair of blue blockers that I really like the looks of that kind of fit my aesthetic and my fashion sense uh, that also were scientifically valid, right? That block the correct spectrum of blue light and also that gave you like a true color um, view. You know, a lot of the blue blockers just turn everything red and I can't drive in them and it's problematic. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to do the damn thing myself. And took me, I think, almost a year to get this done. I mean, it was in the middle of the pandemic and all of this shit. So it was, you know, just difficult to, I think, um, engage new initiatives. But hot damn, we did it. Um, much thanks to my uh, assistant, Bailey, who was really instrumental in helping me get the final pieces together. And I'm really excited to share that with you. So again, to uh, protect your melatonin and your sleep and get your circadian rhythm looking and feeling good, go to gildedbylukestory.com. That's G-I-L-D, gildedbylukestory.com. And I think that's it, you guys. Uh, I think well, we've done all the uh, obligatory plugs. We've delivered what I hope was an inspiring and fun and informative conversation unto you. And with that, I'm gonna go ahead and call it a day and just invite you to join us next week again with Kristen Weitzel. And uh, especially if you happen to be walking around in a female body during this lifetime, it's going to be really useful. But don't let that scare off the guys because you probably have women in your life and you're also going to learn a lot about specifically in next week's show, red light therapy. This is something I've been into for a long time and I don't think I'm going to stop anytime soon because the benefits of red light therapy are not only unisex, but they're just universal and widely applicable. I mean, there's like, it's kind of like ozone. It's like, what does red light not do? What does ozone not do? There's some of these things, especially in the realm of, uh, you know, elements of our natural world that we can use technology to mimic and amplify and also make more portable. So next week's show is going to be hot, no pun intended, get it, red light therapy. Thank you so much. One love, may peace be with you.